Welcome to the Centro Church Podcast. To find out more about Centro Church, please visit us at centrochurch.com.au or download our smartphone app today. We're going to see tonight just how significant that little verse was. We were singing what a powerful name it is, uh, the name of Jesus. Uh, Marnie tonight is declaring what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. She got a job, her health has dramatically improved and she wants to thank the Lord. Why don't we give the Lord a hand? Praise God with her tonight, as if that was you. Um, so tonight we've used the pretext of free food and uh, some islander dancing to get you here <laughs> to talk to you. Um, uh, we're going to start a series. Is the Bible um, homophobic, sexist, and unlike that dancing over here a moment ago, uh, which may have been, we'll get to that a little bit later, and, and racist and uh, and tonight we're going to start off with, is the, is the Bible, is God sexist? Now, before I get into just sort of discussing, is God sexist? Because a lot of people think that, you know, um, the whole religious thing is in favor of men. And that uh, middle-aged white men, uh, not unlike myself, uh, ha- have this kind of corner on power and, they, you know, and, and the church pushes women down. We're going to have a look at what the Bible's got to say. And bigger than that, what God had to think um, in a moment. Before I get there, I, I do want to speak. Hands up if you're a married man here tonight. Hands up if you're a married man. Married man. I'm, I'm, I'm a married man. We've been married for, you know, over three decades. I want to ask the question of the married men here tonight. Because I want to find out if this ever happens to you. Do you find yourself sitting with your wife, watching a movie, and... Uh, Something happens in the movie, some guy comes on or, 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 or uh, some plot twist and you've watched the movie the same time as your wife, you've had no kind of, you know, uh, early information, but, but in the middle of the movie she turns to you and she asks you the question as if somehow you know what's going on. Am I the only one? <laughs> Hands up if that happens to you. <laughs> right, okay, for most of us. Okay. Why do I ask that question? Because you've got to understand that if you're not a married man, you probably don't get it. You probably don't get it. And with all due respects, ladies, I don't get why you ask us. We haven't seen any more of the movie than you. But somehow we know the answer. It's important to understand the nature of women that have to know now. And they don't care. They will ask. You know, I will get home from church, right? This happens. And, you know, not, not speaking disparagingly about my wife, because Francine will say to me, oh, I was, I was talking to so-and-so, and she'll say, oh, and what about this, and what about that, and what about that? And I'll say, I don't know. I didn't ask. <laughs> and she kind of thinks, well, what were you wasting your time talking to them for for 10 minutes? They didn't find out this important information. <laughs> and it's, it's a different way that we are made, all right? See, women and men are made differently. The reason I, I'm, I'm harping on that and getting you to sort of firmly put that in your mind is what we're going to do tonight, rather than take some isolated verses and try to explain them away, I'm going to look at the, the, the overall tenor of the will of God for men and women, and from there we'll be able to make some, some pretty strong conclusions about God and, and sexism. But there is a verse in the Bible that a lot of people kind of use to, 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 to nail the argument that God is sexist. Um, 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35 says this. Um, women should be silent in the church. And no men opened his mouth. 
They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their husband at home. For it's disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Now, I'm not going to get into every verse about women and explain it away, but I thought, what the heck, one is, you know, we might as well do this one, right? What was happening, what you have to understand is the, is the context in which the Bible is written. Paul was writing to a particular group of people who were having church services that were in absolute chaos. And uh, rather than like you lot, and I have to commend you for the way in which you lined up to get the food, like nobody was pushing anybody, you know, everybody was preferring one another. You got into a line, you had a lovely chat with people, and, and we've still got food left over, right? But it wasn't like that back then. Back then there was, you know, people pushing when they, when they had a big feast like we've had tonight. People were pushing others out of the way, you know, getting all the food for themselves, and there was stuff going on in the church that Paul was addressing very, very directly. And one thing that was going on was this, that men and women in that culture, not like this one, Eastern culture, they still do this, they still do this uh, today in some Eastern cultures, where the women sit on one side of the church and men on the other. And so that's what would happen. Women on one side, men on the other. And halfway through the sermon, right, the preacher would say something, and just like watching a movie, mate, right, fellas, the woman would think, what does he mean by that? And so she'd yell out across the, the hallway, across the, you know, on the other side. She'd say, what is he talking about, love? <laughs> and, and he'd have to yell back what, what he thought. And Paul said, this is, this is disrupting the meeting. So he was, in that particular instance, he was saying to the women, ask your husbands at home, all right? Now, if he was in a movie theater with my wife, you might write the same thing today. Ask your husband at home, you're disturbing the patrons. But... Uh, no, not quite. Fortunately, she's playing with, playing with the grandchildren and completely oblivious to anything I'm talking about. Um, so that was the context and that what was going on. So I'm not going to go through every kind of little verse you could get to, to argue it. What I want to do is give you some real big picture ideas. I'm not going to keep you long, but some big picture ideas about what the Bible is all about. Three words that summarize the Bible. Creation fall and redemption God created the world God created this pristine environment man basically you know said God we're not going to have anything to do with you they walked away from God there was a fall then Jesus came to restore it to its original glory redemption it's an economic word it means to buy back Hollywood has followed this principle uh, followed the lead of, of the Bible when was the last time you saw a movie that started off with this pristine kind of situation, this family all in love, right, or this beautiful scene, maybe they're on this beautiful boat and it starts to sink, you know, or, or there's this happy family, then these horrible things happen, and, and we look to some, some justice hero, if you will, some member of the Justice League or similar, some hero to step into the fray and bring it back to what it was in the very beginning. And so most movies follow the same pathway as the Bible. Starts off perfect, it, it becomes chaotic, a hero enters and he brings it back to perfection. In the end, it all works out and we can all go home and sleep well. Three other words, freedom, slavery, and liberty. Freedom, slavery, and liberty. God created man, he had absolute freedom. 
And someone might say, well, he wasn't allowed to eat of that one tree, was he? No, there's no such thing as freedom without limits. If you have freedom without limits, you have slavery. Example, if you drink alcohol without limits, you finish up in slavery to it. If you uh, behave sexually without limits, you finish up with all kinds of diseases, you finish up with all kinds of relational issues, your life goes down. There is no such thing as freedom without limits. All freedom has limits. But man would not acknowledge his limits and so he ended in slavery. Just like a person who doesn't acknowledge the limits of their sexuality, they finish up a slave to sex and all a bunch of other stuff on top of that. Um, a person who doesn't recognize limits in any area will end up a slave to it. But then Jesus came and brought liberty. So we're going to go back to creation, back to freedom, to understand something about the way God created man and woman, male and female, and see what that teaches us about God. God created man and gave him three things. We're, on the three, we're into the three things tonight. Gave him life, gave him choice, and gave him sex. Life, choice, and sex. God, uh, Adam had life. He was a living being. He had choice. He could choose to obey or not obey. And he had sex. He had sex with his wife and he reproduced after his own kind. He did the very thing God did for him. He was able to give life. God said a man, a male, a man will leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife. That was the um, interpreter's the way he would talk about sex. And the two will become one flesh. An important understanding. The two become one flesh. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind, not males, but mankind in our plural image and in our likeness so that he might rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, over livestock and all the wild animals and over all of the creation and move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image and in the image of God he created them, male and female. Now, did you note a few things from that verse? This is so important that you understand this. This is fundamental to who we are. God is a multiple personality in a singular form. One God, but God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The three are one. And then he says, we're going to create something after our image. A man will leave his mother and father, cleave unto his wife, and the two, multiple, will become one flesh. And so the, the act of, if you will, the sexual act is what brings the image of God into stark view uh, for mankind today. That's why Satan is everything he can to, everything he can to desecrate the sexual act. Sex is one of the holiest things on the planet, right? But we think it's dirty, you know, and, and, and we've, tried to, um, we've tried to push it down to, to websites and magazines that, you know, that just hurt people and hurt, uh, hurt families. Sex was one of the holiest things because it was through the act of sex that man is made in the image of God. Multiple personalities in a singular form. And think about it. Go a little bit deeper with me here. Singular form. It's the way you reproduce. And so babies on the inside of mum. So you have dad, mum, and baby. 
Um, you have three in that moment as one. <laughs> you have the Trinity represented in human form. You have the holiest entity, the Trinity, the Godhead, represented in human flesh. Adam was made in the image of God. And um, <clears throat> to be made in the image of God is to give. God's a giver. God gives life. God doesn't take. God just gives. That's the nature of God. And Adam had to give, but who was he going to give to? Genesis 2, 18 says this. Then God said, it is not good. Now, that's a funny thing for God to say. Because as you go through the process of creation, you have this, this increase of complexity every day whether it's 24 hours doesn't really matter we're not getting into that tonight but we go from one day to the next and there's increased complexity the crowning glory of creation is man at the end of every day god looks at it and says that's good that's good that's good that's good that's good five times up to day six and god says it's not good so god created man and it wasn't good he says it's not good for man to be alone so I'll make a helper suitable for him. Now that word helper there, just so you understand, that word helper means the same way that God is our helper and strength. We need a help in our circumstance, in our current trouble. We can look to God and God has the power to help us. Ladies, <laughs> when we can't find what we're looking for, <laughs> ladies, in our chaos, we can look to the, our helper and they have the power. See, it doesn't mean an assistant, right? It's not like, you know, Adam's this, um, I don't know, you know, like this magician and, and he needs an assistant. You know? <laughs> so we give him Eve. Well, of course, we should have got a Sharon because that's a good name for assistant. But uh, so it wasn't sort of Eve. And, uh, you know, Eve's there as an assistant. For, for, uh, no, no. It wasn't like, you know, Adam's the main player and Eve's the helper or the assistant. That's not what that word helper means. That would help him mean somebody who Adam could look to in his chaos or look to in his trouble and would be able to pull him out because she had the power to do it. It says, Now the Lord had formed out of the ground all the wild animals, all the birds of the sky, and he brought them to man to see what he would name them. And could you imagine this? Whatever he named uh, uh, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was his name. So Adam's there, right? And all these, you know, up comes the lion... And I imagine with the lion was the lioness. And he said, you will be lion. And you will be lioness because you're a female. <laughs> and he, he named all of these animals. They came to him two by two. And something was clearly not right. Because they all they were in pairs. They were there reproducing and, and creating after their own kind. But Adam couldn't. And God recognized this was not good. And it's funny because it wasn't like sin was in the world. So the world was still pristine, but it wasn't as pristine as it could be. And God created his crowning glory, woman, right? You all know how they got the name woman, right? She was there in all of her glory, and Adam looked at her and went, whoa, man. That's how he named woman, just so you understood. Yeah, I know. It's a good joke, that one, wasn't it? I know her real well. <laughs> And the, they together became the image of God. Adam on his own was not the image of God. See, this is what you need to understand. 
that that it is man and woman co-equal that represent the image of God on the earth. God did not create man here and then woman here. God created man here and a female and woman there. They are co-equal before God. In the same way that you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? There's no hierarchy of importance with God. Now, here's the truth of the matter, just a thought for you. When I grew up in church, there was a little bit, you know, well, God the Father was the most important one. There was like, there was, you know, the, the Holy Trinity was a holy hierarchy. God the Father, God the Son, and, you know, God the Holy Spirit was just sort of down there somewhere, you know. He was like Casper the Friendly Ghost, you know. He was just getting around. And, and that was so wrong. Because God the Holy Ghost, God, God, God the Spirit, is equal with God the Father. They are co-equal. The Godhead is not one over the other. And so it is with male and female. Here's a thought for you. I wonder if the hierarchy, right, of the Trinity has become a hierarchy of creation where you had man and then underneath man, not quite as important as man, was woman. Um, then we had the fall. Now I'm going to tell you a little bit about the fall and what it had, the effect it had on women. Because with all due respect, ladies, and don't shoot the messenger, but the fall of, of mankind from the Garden of Eden has had tragic effects on you. I'll give you the society, what it was like when Jesus came in to try to bring it back right so jesus came to try to bring it back jesus is the greatest thing that's ever happened to women in the history of the world you're about to hear why i say that when jesus came on the scene 2000 years ago in the greco roman culture a baby girl was considered an economic liability and often baby girls that um, they would dispose of them because there was nobody to leave their estate. There was nobody to look after mum and dad when we got old. A baby girl was considered somewhat of a curse. Rape was property crime because the female was the possession of the father or the husband. And the, and the father or the grandfather had the power of life over his wife, over his daughter, and over his granddaughter. That's the Greco-Roman culture to within, to within which Jesus comes on the stage. So you've got some idea of where it's got to for women. Now, you can go to cultures today that don't recognize Jesus. What kind of cultures are they? They're the kind of cultures that don't have Christmas, right? If there's no Christmas in a culture, lady, you don't want to live there. Those that don't recognize Jesus, this is just a fact. Today, women are very unlikely to be educated, unlikely to be able to leave home without the chaperone of their father or their brother or their husband, are not allowed to speak to a man in public. If a male visits the home, the female has to go to a back room and wait for the visiting male to leave, and you're not allowed to drive, lady in some countries today that don't celebrate Christmas or Easter. Let me just put it to you like that. They don't celebrate Christmas or Easter. They don't recognize Jesus. 
When you understand this, you get some clue why feminism has become such a force that it, that it is today. In the Jewish culture where Jesus was front and center, center, the Torah was not allowed to be read aloud by a woman. A woman was not allowed to give testimony in court because what she said could not be trusted. Um, a woman um, it was said of by one of the rabbis, uh, I thank God I'm not a Gentile, a dog, or a woman. One prominent rabbi has been reported as saying, I would rather burn the Torah than teach it to a woman. This culture that Jesus stepped into 2,000 years ago, I want you just to talk for just five minutes about what he did in this culture. And when you understand the culture, you see what he did, and it's just so, uh, so amazing, so profound. Jesus was a cultural deviant. You see how deviant he was to the culture that he manifested himself into. He meets this woman, a Samaritan woman. Now, a Samaritan was considered a dog, right? They were half caste. Uh, they were down the social scale, but this woman was the bottom of the social scale because in those days, you know, if you were divorced, it was, it was considered taboo, but she'd been divorced five times. She comes to get her water in the middle of the day when every other woman goes in the cool of the morning because she didn't want to be subject to their, their, their gossip, uh, their nasty uh, glances, and their, uh, uh, the, the, them ostracizing her. But Jesus sees her drawing some water in the middle of the day and he goes and he speaks with her and he starts up a conversation about theology and he discusses his identity with her his disciples are off in the town getting something eaten and they come back and this is what it says in john 4 27 it says at this point jesus disciples came and they marveled right they marveled now that word marveled there doesn't just mean you know kind of like oh the kids are getting on oh i'm surprised (laughs) you know it's just not like oh i went through ipswich and i got all the green lights wow that's a marvel (laughs) it wasn't just a surprise what that that word marvel is the same word used for those who saw jesus raise lazarus from the dead so jesus speaking to the samaritan woman was like shock horror you must be kidding me it was the same emotional response you would have if you, if you were visiting, you know, a, uh, a funeral house and somebody got that corpse back from the grave. They marveled. They couldn't believe it. But Jesus is interested in restoring women to their original status of co-equal with man. He visits a house. And in this house... There's a woman doing what the women are supposed to be doing. She's out getting the meal and, you know, in the kitchen working hard. But there's this other woman, this other cultural deviant, if you will. Her name was Mary. She's sitting there and Jesus is teaching. The, the teacher, the rabbi, is teaching the Torah, teaching God's word to this woman as she sits there and she soaks it up and people got cranky and angry. Why is this rabbi teaching, this male rabbi teaching this woman? This is wrong. And even her sister who's out in the, in, the, you know, in the kitchen doing the cooking is getting cranky because she's not helping her and this whole thing's a powder keg about to blow. And then Jesus reprimands a lot of them. And he continues to teach her such as his cultural deviance. And he says, leave her alone. 
because she's doing the greater thing. He's acknowledging her and who she is. He's acknowledging the beauty and the, and the, the majesty of God in this woman. The greatest truth of the Bible. Now, I don't know where everyone is room tonight. I don't know if you're here and you're a Christian or you're not a Christian. I don't know. Maybe you're here and you're, 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 a, you're a, a lady and you're not a Christian, a, a girl, you're not a Christian. And you're hearing all this stuff and you're thinking, yeah, I, I've experienced sexism in my employment. Uh, I had a misogynist uh, boss or whatever it might happen to be. And it's a real thing. Okay. It's there. I, I'm trying to explain to you why it's there. And your champion in Jesus Christ, who tried to push things back and has, you know, been so successful. We've seen before what a powerful name, the name of Jesus. But I won't get you to put your head up, but how many girls in this room tonight have been to school? How many girls in this room tonight have got a license? How many girls in this room tonight have got cultural freedom? You have a debt of gratitude to Jesus. Jesus started the whole thing changing. And bringing it back to how it was meant to be. He makes this incredible statement. This is the foundation of all of what we believe. Um, If you take this out, then forget the rest of it. What we believe, it's not about, you know, whether the creation was an exact 24-hour period or, you know, how it all happened. It's not about Old Testament story um, justification. It's about the resurrection. And Jesus says this in John 11. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Can we put it up on the screen? I'm the resurrection and the life. He believes in me, though he might die, yet shall he live. And whoever believes in me shall never die. That is the core belief, the core scripture in all of the Bible. Look at verse 25. Can we put 25 back up there? And who's he talking to? A woman. (laughs) He said to, what's the word? Jesus takes the most revolutionary foundational truth of his coming. The very thing that's going to turn everything on its head. And who does he communicate it to? The very one, if you will, who can't testify in court. The very one, if you will, who, who, is, who is a property chattel of her situation and then put to verse 26 again (laughs) then look at this he says do you believe this (laughs) he actually wants her opinion he makes this profound statement of redemption i am the resurrection and the life he's talking to a woman and then he asks the woman her opinion what's he doing he's trying to bring things back to the way they were intended to be one of the guys who hung with him one of his disciples named peter peter got this right peter hung around and he saw the way he treated women with absolute respect and with dignity he treated them as equals with men even though the culture within which he lived was not was not um uh, uh okay with that it was on it was incongruent with culture if i can put it like that but peter wrote this in his uh, his letter he says speaking to women women Your beauty should come from outward, not from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles, wearing of gold and fine clothes. Rather, listen to this, this is revolutionary for women. Because if you are nothing more than a good and a chattel, right, then your whole value is in how you look. It's in how you present your outward appearance. But he says, no, no, your value is in your inner self. 
the unfading beauty, the gentle, quiet spirit, which is great worth in the sight of God. He's saying to, all, he's saying to women, women, stop, stop putting a number on yourself. Stop saying, well, I'm a five or I'm a six or I'm an eight or I'm a nine or whatever it might happen to be. Stop trying to interpret yourself through your culture that values you based on how you look. God values you for who you are. You are created in his image. See, Adam had to give because he's created in the image of God. God's a giver, so he had to give. And, and, and for him to give, he needed someone to give to. Now, God created another man. He couldn't give him anything he didn't have. So another man wouldn't, wouldn't make it work, see. So he created a woman which was different, although equal, equal but different. And so he could give her something that she didn't have and she could give him something that he didn't have and together they would become the image of God. Once Jesus came, everything started to change. Um, the whole concept of multiple wives started to kind of dissipate a bit. And I can tell you this, Multiple wives leads to economic difficulty for women. Jesus affirmed that a marriage was between one man and one woman. That was Jesus' definition of marriage. And I'm giving you some of the theology, some of the understanding behind it. Western culture today, women are freer than anywhere else they are on the globe because Western culture, at some point or another, built its foundation on the teachings of Jesus. Now, has every follower of Jesus acknowledged, you know, done the right thing by women? No, they haven't. But they've done what they did in spite of what the Bible taught, not because of it. Um, male chauvinism exists. Yes, it does. And uh, feminism is understandable because here's the thing. If all you do is take, 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 take. If men value women because either they want to sleep with them or if they don't want to sleep with them, they ignore them, right? So if that's the value of a woman. All I want to do is take from you. Right? If a man wants to have sex with you, he's not giving you anything. He's taking something from you. He's taking a piece of you, right? Uh, in fact, back in the, the 70s and the 60s, that was, a, a, that was a, a euphemism for having sex. I took a piece of her. And there is some reality in that. So don't think that a man gives you anything, lady, by having sex with you. He's taking from you. And so within this, within this kind of way of life, there are, there are two principles. I don't know if we can put this up on the board. Given it shall be given or take before it is taken. And you can live your life based on either of these two principles. Give and it shall be given or take before it's taken. They're the two principles upon which life is lived. Now, if every man is taking, 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 taking from me, I'm going to get to a point where I'm fed up with men. I'm going to build up walls around me. I'm going to build a defense mechanism. I'm going to call it feminism because I'm sick of men taking from me. Perfectly understandable. Could you imagine a world where men actually got it right? If the musicians want to join me on the platform, I'm just about done. Could you imagine a world if, where, where men actually got it right and recognized that their job was to give to women? How can we give to women... If a woman puts up a, a, a wall around her and basically says, I don't need anything from men. And you hear that. I don't need anything from men. Right? And nowadays we're trying to come up with ways in which I can actually reproduce without you know, ever having to see or touch a man. 
I don't need anything from men. And I understand that position. If someone's going to take, 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 that's what you're going to do. But if we lived in a world where we understood that God created me in his image so that I might be a giver and that my job is to give and every woman in the world that God has placed me, it's my job to give them protection, give them respect, give them space, give them understanding, give. That's my job. I'm a giver. I'm created in the image of God. God is the ultimate giver. How would you feel, lady, if every man that you ever met was looking for nothing from you but was simply here to give to you, to honor you, to respect you? What a different world we would live in. Maybe, whilst I understand the need for feminism, where it's come from, the, the ugly result of it is basically the statement of women saying, I don't need anything from man. A man who's created a gift to a woman, what does he do? He, he, he has to give, but he can't give because she won't receive. And so what we have is the devolution of the family. What we have as a result of not understanding what you now have the privilege of listening to and perhaps even getting tonight because this is not understood by people. And so you've got men trying to prove themselves how, you know, what a manly man I am. I've been able to take from this woman and that woman and this one. I've got a piece of this woman and that woman and this woman. As if somehow it, it builds my reputation. This is just so crazy. And, 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 and so women are going, well, man, I've got to be careful. 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 And we have this battle of the sexes. We have this distrust between men and women and chaos in the world. The very thing that Jesus came to redeem. Let's take our lead from him and treat men, women, as you treat your mother, your sister, with all respect and with all dignity recognizing your job is to give give what you have you have strength so you give protection you have an ability so you can give remuneration you can give, we can give in so many ways and and ladies you have too you have things different to us that you to give us and if we're all about giving that we're all about taking it back to where it was when god created it in its pristine form. And the only way is through Jesus Christ. If you don't believe me, look at the nations of the world that don't celebrate Easter and Christmas and figure it out. Just figure it out. This is as plain as the nose on our face. There is no answer outside of Jesus. Let's just bow our heads. We're going to pray and then uh, <clears throat> we're going to do a couple of other things to do and we're done for tonight. Father, I thank you for every person in this room. Lord, I, I thank you that you've created us in your image with the power to give. And yet, Lord, many people in this room don't think they have anything to give. Many people in this room, Lord, 
feel a sense of almost impoverishedness about their own soul or about their position and feel like that well if I give then, then I then I lose Lord I pray tonight that we would be able to rest on this this truth is that as I give it's given as I give it's given to me as I give it's given to me help this become a lifestyle for us God between the sexes between the genders between one another look just where our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed I, I don't know the story of everybody in this room obviously I don't know the name of everybody in this room but I do know this I don't care about your circumstances I don't care about um, your yesterday in a sense that I know Jesus is the answer don't look at what the followers of Jesus have done. Look to what Jesus said. But even more than that, look to what he did. It is recorded. And make your mind up based on what he did. And ask yourself, if we all did what Jesus did, what a pristine paradise we'd live in. But maybe tonight you think, well, I'm not sure I can do that. No, well, look, he sends his Holy Spirit to empower you to do that. If you're in this room tonight and you've not said yes to Jesus, maybe you've been a Christian, you've walked away and thought, well, you know, other things, and then you've had a bit of pain from that. And tonight you want to come back and you, you say, you know, tonight I, I need to say yes to Jesus. We, we're going to have you out of here in a, in a few moments' time. We've got a couple of things to do and then you're on your way. But what a foolish um, response to this moment it would be if we were to just breeze on through it and not take a moment to allow you to make that call. To allow you to say yes to Jesus. Yes to the revolutionary power, the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. The name has power because Jesus himself was all powerful. If, if, you, if you've never responded to him, but you need to respond to him tonight. I'm, I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. What I'm going to ask you to do, and if your heart is beating a little harder right now, the air is speaking to me, that's because I am. That's because the Holy Spirit is here. He's drawing you. You say, yes, I, I, I need to respond. I want you to take your right hand and just give me a wave and say, yeah, that's me tonight. And I'm going to pray for you right where you are. God bless you. Someone else, anyone else, just want to lift their hand and go, yeah, that's me tonight. Just give me a wave and I'm going to include you in this prayer in Jesus' name. God bless you. Anybody else, you want to just say yes tonight? to Jesus you want to say yes to Jesus anybody else want to lift their hand and go yes to Jesus thank you my friend I see your hand there too anybody else want to say yes to Jesus tonight amen Lord you've seen those hands that have been raised Lord you know um, the life behind the hand and I pray tonight God, as they, those individuals open their heart to you, that they would receive your power and the redemptive love that transforms a heart and changes the direction of a life. In Jesus' name. We're going to stand together. We're going to worship him. Thanks, guys.